God, we are so grateful to be here this morning. Father, would you pour out just a new anointing on this place? Would you pour out joy and refreshing? God, would you wake us up to everything that you're doing this morning? God, would you speak to us? And we'll be changed when we walk out those doors this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
Today we celebrate the second Sunday of Easter. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Almighty God, you all hearts are open and all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Said the first commandment is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Lord have mercy. Have mercy. If for some reason they took it down. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest, peace, peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty. We Jesus Christ. Glory to God, Lamb of God, Son of Father, who take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, and the Holy Ghost, are the Most High in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen.
in our spirit. Let us pray together the collect. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. This this morning's first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, commencing at verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now was there anyone among them who lacked? For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. This is the word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 133. We'll read it responsively by the asterisk. Behold, how good and pleasant it is. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. It is like the dew of Hermon. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our second lesson comes from 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, 
We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them, forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said to them, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. Let me do a little housekeeping here. I thought I had these papers in with my notes, but I didn't, but now I do. Well, good morning. Welcome, as Bishop said, to the second Sunday of Easter. I am thrilled to be here. Uh, it's been an interesting morning already. You get a little ringing here. I'm sure Jake hears that. Um, this message is a real follow-on. As I was reading the lessons, I just, it just felt like it was a real follow-on to last week, Easter. And I, specifically because my message at the 7.30 service last week, really, uh, the lessons, there was something about it that really struck me. And then at the 10 o'clock, it was almost the same message, which works because the lessons were the same, right? It should be the same. It's not always is, but it should be. And, and last week, when I was talking about Easter, the thing that the Lord impressed upon me was it's just so important how we respond to the Lord's visitation. Because God breaks in on us in a, in a multitude of ways. You know, uh, we know about the angel Gabriel visiting Mary. Well, that was a pretty profound visitation. And there's a way that you respond that matters. As a matter of fact, uh, the scriptures give us a real point, counterpoint. Mary obviously had a question. How can this be that I'll have a child when I'm yet a virgin? And the angel does not condemn the question. As a matter of fact, he's like, oh, that's a good question. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you, you know. And blessed are you among women. I mean, she was honored and blessed, even though she had a question. Well, John the Baptist's dad didn't do so good. When he was brought with the same kind of a message, same angel, you know, you're going to, you're, you and your wife are going to have a child. And he goes, well, how can this be? We're old. Sounds like a similar question. But something in the way he said it obviously didn't uh, sit well with the angel. And he was struck dumb until the baby was born. So you know that there's something how you respond matters. And I was thinking last week, I, I broke it down to three simple things that we need to do whenever God visits us. Now, life is way too complex to only have three possible. You know, you may want to add in, don't be scared to death when the Lord comes in. You know, maybe you want to add some things to it. But these are three things that I broke it down just to simplify. Um, first one is you got to believe that the Lord is speaking to you the truth. You got to acknowledge that faith. You got to acknowledge it. Mary said, be it unto me. She said, okay, I'll do it. Now, obviously, Zechariah didn't have anything to say because he was struck dumb. But, you know, apparently he complied and they had a child, John the Baptist. So he responded better after that, right? Um, but you got to believe. you got to acknowledge that belief. And what ties to that often is the second point. A lot of times you've got to surrender your understanding. Surrender your will or your, your plan, your agenda for your life. What if he changes what you're planning on doing? I'm going to be an NFL football player. And that's exactly what I believed I was going to be until I met one. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys... You know, I grew up in Texas, and one of their linemen, defensive linemen, Larry Cole, was a, a, a rather large guy. 
But I didn't know that till I met him when I was in junior high. And I saw that his fingers were like three times as big as mine. He had a pen to write, to give us an autograph, and you couldn't see the pen. It was gone. And I just remember at that time thinking, oh, maybe I'm not going to be an NFL player. Because <laughs> I'm not fast enough to get out of, away from this guy. Lord have mercy, he was big. And Mia, she works at uh, Hogue Irvine, and she's, their, their hospitals where the chargers come down. And so they, she gets to do all these tests on them, the, the different, and she gets to see them and she goes, they're giant. So it's, they're still the same. So anyway, um, where was my, where was I going? I got stuck on the Cowboys, now I'm lost. First thing, you gotta acknowledge the belief. Second, you gotta surrender your understanding of what you think your life is supposed to be. Whatever it is. And the third thing is, you gotta just act on it. You gotta act on what God's given you. Believe that it's the Lord. And what he's given you is the truth. Lay down your own understanding and just trust the Lord and act on what he gives you. Right. So that's really good. That's how we're supposed to respond. What happens when you don't? What happens when, oh, yeah, you realize that you're human and you probably make a mistake. Maybe you don't believe. Can you imagine if I had continued to follow that path to be an NFL player? I'd probably be in a hospital bed somewhere still. Because those guys are big. Um, but you have to recognize that we are human and we do make mistakes. And we go through periods whenever we blow it, as Zachariah did. He blew it, but then he repented, right? And so today's lessons, I thought, were so good to tell you what happens if you don't acknowledge it right away. If you remember on the Feast of Pentecost, which is obviously in, you know, uh, 40-something days, 50 days after uh, Passover, was the, uh, the Pentecost. And that's when Peter stood up and gave that great message. This Jesus, whom you crucified, oh, they blew it. But he gave them a way out. He gave them a way of repentance. And today we talk about that. Um, in, in the lesson that we read, uh, uh, let me pull it up real quick and read it. First John. And this is one that during the Lenten season, I, I, I recited this scripture over and over again uh, at the beginning of daily office of prayer. It's one that I memorized years ago, and it's, it's just so powerful. But it says, if we say we have, well, first it starts with this. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, right? If we say we're a Christian and our lives don't line up with it, we're, we're liars. We're obviously a fail, which I've established that we're human, but we've got to act out. But the next part, verse 9 or verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay? So that's establishing. You gotta recognize, even when you do pretty good, you still got sin in your life. Pride, you know, whatever it is, there's something inside of you that you still gotta confess and you gotta get that right with the Lord. And the verse nine, here's the, here's the promise that he gives us. That if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is such a great promise, which we recognize that, yeah, we've got sin. We've got some error in our life. We've got some things we fall short. Uh, God visited me and I blew it. Okay. But if we confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And it's not an easy thing. It's not because, and I read this yesterday and it was like, it's not because God is such a gentle God that he's like, oh, it's okay. Uh, I'll forgive you. No. His justice required a severe penalty. For any sin, for blowing it, breaking just one of the Ten Commandments. But the price was paid, and it was a powerful cost. 
And we went all through that last week a few times when we went on the whole Holy Week thing and we recounted the passion of Christ and what he went through. Um, I did a study when when it was uh, in high school. We had uh, a conference we went to as our youth group. And it was a guy named Dawson McAllister. I don't know if anybody remembers him. But he had this conference called A Walk with Christ to the Cross. And it takes you through everything. It's like a Holy Week, but it breaks down, especially the physical suffering and everything that he went through. That's a serious price that he paid. Very painful, right? Laid his life down on our behalf, but it was very effective. And now we're forgiven. And when he says that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, it's done. You need to believe it. Don't make him a liar. The next part, the next lesson that I thought was so powerful was that he talks about this in 1 John. But then we go to the gospel message. And in the gospel message, Jesus does something that's just amazing, right? First, he deals with Thomas. Again, another example of someone who maybe didn't respond really well. And he goes, unless I put my finger in the print of his hands and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe this, right? So God even requires us to respond even when God himself is not the one speaking to us, even when it's not an angel. What if it's your fellow believers? The other apostles told him, we have seen the Lord. They testified multiple times. And Thomas continued to disbelieve. He refused to give in and, and in the chance to respond, he didn't. And fortunately, God had mercy on him. And God visited him again. And he said, Thomas, come here. Put your finger right here in my hand. Put your hand inside. Have you guys seen that, that painting where the guy, Jesus, has his hand and he's sticking his hand in the side? I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> That's got to be just, he must be so ashamed of what he did and how he blew it. And yet his response at that time is such an important thing that we have on our tradition is that he said, my Lord and my God. And in the reality, that is the first time that somebody recognized or acknowledged out loud the divinity of Christ. And theologians, in all their debates about whether Jesus ever said that he was God, actually, or just the Messiah who was a man only, you know, whatever, uh, a great prophet. But this was one that they point to and they say, no, in this case, he said, my Lord and my God accrediting, giving dig, or, or divinity to Jesus, and Jesus didn't correct him. There are other times Jesus, you know, other people would correct him whenever uh, Peter went to uh, uh, Cornelius' house, and Cornelius knelt down to worship, and he said, no, 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 I'm just a man, stand up. Jesus didn't do that. And so that response from doubting Thomas is something that establishes, puts a stake in the ground and says, no, he is God. And Jesus didn't correct him. And that's significant. So he had a chance to respond, and then he did. But then as soon as he finished that, then Jesus moved on to the business at hand. And he established what we call the ministry or the right of reconciliation. Whatever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whatever sins you retain are retained. And this is incredibly significant. 
And I was thinking about why is this so important, right? This is part of the, the authority, and it's, it's, a, it's an important thing that we have in our church, in the church tradition. Um, and again, I'm going to go with three things. There's something about this three. It must be the trinity that overrides everything. I'm going to simplify. There's more to it than just this. But I believe that God did this because he knows the nature of man. And he knows that we have such a hard time um, acknowledging our own sins. Sometimes, you know, it's a pride issue. Sometimes it's like, I can't believe I did that. I'm so much better than that. Now, they, they sin. Remember Peter, what Peter said? Oh, no, Lord, I'll not deny you. They might, but I won't. Well, we think the same thing sometimes. It's a natural thing that we fall into that we have to be aware of. I can't believe that I fell for that. I can't believe I, I lied. I can't believe that I wasn't faithful to my vow. Whatever it was, you know, we fail, and we know human nature. And the beauty of the right of reconciliation is it helps you get through that. Where you have to say, I have sinned by my own fault. It's my own fault. I did it. It's my fault. And this gives you that opportunity. When, you're, when we do the, the confession of sin, after we finish the, the sermon and the creed and stuff, we'll do the confession. And when the bishop stands up and he goes, I absolve you of your sins, that's a very powerful and true thing. It's still valid. But the problem is when you're sitting out in the crowd, it's easy for you to think, well, yeah, that's for all of them, but they don't know what I did. How many times have you said that to yourself? I said it to myself. If they only knew, oh, I don't, you know. And you kind of hide it from yourself, you know. But in the right of reconciliation, it's just you and the priest who's standing there in, in the, as Jesus, saying the words of Jesus. And that, that ordained authority is what he's doing. The priest is saying, I absolve you. And that sacrament, the, the Holy Spirit power working through that sacrament is so powerful to free you up. From that self-delusion of thinking, oh, I blew it. I can't believe I blew. It's okay. You're forgiven. Even if those things said or unsaid, you know, in the, in the right it says that. You know, things I didn't say, even for those, forgive me. And that right is so powerful. Second thing, the Lord also knows the wiles of the enemy. The enemy is very, I don't want to give him too much credit. He's smart. He doesn't necessarily know what we're thinking, but he knows what other people have done throughout history. And he sees the things that we've done, and he knows that we've blown it. And he knows areas that he can probably accuse us of. And he'll just beat you up. And he'll do this all the time, using shame and using guilt to stop you from doing the things God's called you to do. But at the right of reconciliation, you can put a stake in the ground and says, no, I dealt with it there. And I believe the power of God. I believe... That Christ on the cross is powerful enough to forgive me of those sins. His blood is powerful enough. And you can put that in the ground. And whenever the enemy comes up and accuses you of something, you can say, no, I dealt with it. Last Saturday, I dealt with it. It's done. I don't have to listen to you. And the enemy has no power over you. You've got to believe what the Lord says. I absolve you from your sins. Your sins are put away from you. Actually, in the scripture, he says, he throws them as far as the east is from the west. That's an infinite line. He doesn't remember them. They're gone. And we know that in the blessing. You know, he doesn't hold our sins against us. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 9, when it says, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. We've got to believe those promises. And at the right of reconciliation, we're reminded of that. 
And then you can use that in your resistance against the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's how you can do it. That's one of the things that God has given us, one of the tools that's so powerful. And this third thing is very important. Um, Psalm 133, right? We recited it's very short, but it's so powerful. In fact, we'll read it again because I want to. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred or brethren live together in unity. This unity is so important. As a matter of fact, if you ever did a study on unity in the New Testament, it comes up over and over and over and over again. I want you to be in the same mind as Christ. I want you guys to be walking together. You know, that's part of loving your neighbor as yourself. It's very hard to be in unity if you've got sin in your own life. Or if you see sin in somebody else's life and maybe you think, oh, well, I saw him smoking the other day. No unity here. He got drunk. At least I didn't do that. Well, you know, those things are, it's like things the enemy uses to create disunity, to create problems. And unless you go through true confession of sin and repentance and forgiveness and learn to forgive those around you, forgive those who've wronged you, you can't walk in unity. And this is something that, you know, within the church, God has given us this tool to help us walk in true unity. I, there was a, a Christian singer years ago who had this song. Uh, his name is Carmen. He just recently passed away. And uh, Mia actually went to the church he was a part of in Oklahoma. And he actually came to, well, at the time, I guess it was Faith Community Church. or What was the name of the church when he came then? You don't remember. Well, we found the newsletter the other day. We were going through some throwing some stuff away, and I found the newsletter that talked about Carmen coming and doing a, doing a concert here at uh, Pastor Randy's church. That's what it was all at the time. I forget the name of the church. It said at the top. Was it Stone Mountain at the time? I know Stone Mountain was the, was the church. I can't remember if that probably was. Anyway, well, Carmen had this song, and it was a funny song. He always told Bible stories in his songs. And some of them were kind of funny, and some of them were a little over-dramatized. But in this one, he said something that just really struck me about the, the, the time of Pentecost when all the disciples were up together. And they're all up there talking, and they're praying, and they're waiting on the promise that God had promised. Jesus said, wait here, tarry here until you're in, in, imbued with power from on high. Right? So they're up there waiting, and they're praying. And it says they were in one accord. And they didn't mean the car. They meant in unity, right? They were all in one accord. All these people that were up there. Mary was up there and the brothers uh, of, of Jesus. All this other, everybody was up there praying. I think it was like 120 if I remember right. Up there praying in one accord. And Carmen asked this question. How did they get in such unity? How did that happen? And Carmen used a little, you know, literary license, right? And he says, he thinks that maybe somebody just stood up like, Maybe Peter. And he said, you know, guys, I got to tell you, I really blew it. I promised that I wouldn't deny the Lord. I said you would, but I wouldn't. I'm sorry I was wrong. And I blew it. And God has forgiven me. And I just want you guys to forgive me for, for betraying the trust and the confidence that we had. But at that point, that drops Peter down from being the guy in charge, being one of the guys who failed. And then somebody else stands up and goes, you know, I did the same thing. I ran away. I had a chance to be there with him, and I ran away. I fled. And then somebody else would stand up and say something. There's something about 
everybody coming to grips with the fact that we're all human and we're all at the same level. We've all fallen and fallen short of the glory of God. But we've been forgiven. And that's something we all have that's so powerful. Recognizing that we've blown it. Our brothers and sisters have blown it. But so have we. And none of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve the blessings and the goodness that God has given us. And yet he's freely given it to us. I know that during Lent, there weren't a lot of people who came to the sacrament of confession. But it's not limited to just during Lent. And if you want one of us ministers, one of us priests, to hear your confession, we're more than welcome, more than willing to set aside a time and a place to do that. Because God wants to set you free from the guilt and the shame. He wants you to to be free of self-delusion and thinking you don't have any sin. He wants you to be free of the wiles of the enemy. He wants you to walk in true unity with each other. Don't be afraid. We promise we won't tell. Reality is we can't. We're under that vow, that, that, uh, under the stole, the sacred vow that we've taken. But this is a great season during Easter to be set free and to be walking in freedom, to be walking in unity. And uh, I'm just really excited. I, I like the Easter lilies and the Paschal candles. Somebody asked today, is somebody getting uh, baptized? I said, no, it's Easter. That stays up the whole season of Easter. And we need to recognize that. We need to celebrate the season of Easter. Amen? Amen. Please stand. We'll continue with the prayers of the people. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic church. That we all may be one. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. That they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. That there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do to do your will in all that we undertake, that our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble, that they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed eternal rest, that thy perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. As we prepare to celebrate... Let's acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. <coughs> Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will 
and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of the Holy Spirit. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn, greet your neighbor with the peace. All right. Yes, it is a good morning. It feels like afternoon to me, though. I'm still recovering from the Eastern time zone there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. My gosh. You're having that. Uh, yeah, I'll have to confess. That phenom- all the... That's a phenomenon, but it does exist. Yeah. Man, you're just a little spaced out. It's a little different. I had a lot of good Southern cooking there, so. Well, what are all the exciting things that we have coming up here at St. Michael's, Eric? Okay, well, we've got just, uh, when I left, there was a whole gaggle of them, but we've got a couple of things. The biggest thing to look forward to is uh, for the men, uh, we're going to get together this Saturday, 10 o'clock. It's not one of those working meetings like we had last time. We're going to plan again, and I think it's good, like Ed was talking about, we're going to be in unity about what we're going to do around here, uh, where we're going to make the face of this building Uh, Just like we do in our own house. You know, my wife and I get together. We're like, okay, what are we going to change here? What are we going to do here? Fix this, do that. Come to this men's meeting and help us decide those things. Uh, You know, one men's meeting we talked about restarting the home groups. So, you know, this is is a great opportunity for that. So come at 10 o'clock this Saturday, and we'll just talk about what what the next thing is we want to do around here and what we want to do this building and be together in it. Amen. Amen. Uh, also, uh, just a reminder, home groups. Uh, my home group took a couple weeks off, but we're meeting at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. Uh, Jesse and Haley are meeting 7.30 p.m. Wednesday, and Sam and Norma, 5 p.m. on Sundays. And that's it. Say that again so they get those home because they are different. Yeah, 5 p.m. Sunday, Sam and Norma's home group. 7.30 p.m. Wednesday, Jesse and Haley. And myself and Becky and actually Ed and Mia, uh, we're all doing a home group on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. And everybody's invited. So Sundays, Wednesdays, yeah. Going on all the time. What time is the men's meeting on Saturday? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Amen. As we... Prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. Let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of the knowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Father, our powerful, ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
We praise you with greater joy than ever on this Easter season when Christ became our Paschal sacrifice. He's the true lamb who took away the sins of the world. By dying, he destroyed death. By rising, he restored our life. So with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory. We join in our unending hymn of praise. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he is given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper had ended, he took the cup again. He gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for kindness worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all the clergy. Especially remember those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. We remember this day, Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena, Naomi, Nadia, and Kyle, and Sonja, Maria, and Sandra, and Karen, and Tammy, and Kyla, and Jason, the Lev family, Morgan, Scott, David, Schroep family, Gavin, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, Vicki Griffey, Daniel, and Luke. 
Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed and become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and martyrs and all saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage. Pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who were called for the supper of the Lamb. Amen.
Come up and uh, pray for her. She's uh, going to Japan to uh, climb the, one of the tallest mountains in the world. No, she's, what, you want to tell want to tell us what business you have in Japan? Uh, so almost a year ago, I joined the Marines, and I'm working on F-35s. And I'll be working on the engine. So you'll be stationed over there? Yes, I'll be stationed there for about three years. Wow. I wonder, is that anywhere near where, uh, yeah, Joey and, well, we, we have troops over there, and uh, this is some of our finest right here, and youngest, and shortest. <laughs> she fits all the categories. Well, Lord, we're just going to anoint her because... You love to confound the world, and I know you're going to use this young lady to confound the world. And I pray, Lord, that whatever she touches just turns turns to success for her, Lord. That she, just give her insights and new ways even to fix those airplanes, Lord, that people haven't even thought of. Make her a somebody in some place. And, Lord, I just pray that it will be a, a, a wonderful time for her, too to see faraway places and meet different peoples. So be with her and bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Really proud of these young people to do that. Just one of many going here and there. Anything else? Let us in thanksgiving pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin. 
of our souls. Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the world himself and not counting men's sins against him. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not angry at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.